Welcome everybody to Summer School, a space for the woke, witty, and sometimes ratchet educator, for our educator allies who just wanna get it right, for those who want the real inside scoop of the day-to-day -day joys and woes of working with black and brown children, families, and communities, for those who know black and brown educators are needed, multi-dimensional, and sometimes just petty as hell. Big ups to all my educators who are trying to figure out this distance learning thing. We're in this together, and we're trying to determine what this new normal is gonna be for at least the next few months. Although I've been working hard trying to get my team geared up and encouraged for distance learning, I have been spending way too much time on social media. Let me tell y'all though, some of these distance learning posts have been hilarious. Here are some that I thought were pretty funny. A parent emailed me and said they're putting in a request for a long-term substitute. If you see my kids locked outside today, chill. We're having a fire drill. Do you go in the refrigerator at school? Um, no. So use your school stomach. Parents, make sure you don't leave your kids alone to go to the bathroom. Make sure you find coverage or hold it. If these schools are closed for too long, the parents are going to find a vaccine before the scientists do. I need an administrator immediately. One of the kids left the class and is roaming the halls. Phew, March has been a tough week. This is for anybody that needs to hear it, but today is Wednesday, March 97th. Happy hour is starting earlier and earlier. If this keeps up, I'll be pouring wine in my cereal. Many parents are just about to discover the teacher was not the problem. In all seriousness, parents, we appreciate the effort and we know it's hard. To my educator parents, you can't do it all, but you can do your best and that's all we're asking. It's time for professional development. Here we'll connect with the guests or I'll explore a topic that's meant to challenge our thoughts and sometimes just say the things we've all been thinking. Our guest today is a graduate from the Howard University, HU. Yeah, no. She joined Teach for America Baltimore and began the important work of closing the achievement gap. In 2012, she earned her master's degree in educational science from Johns Hopkins University. In the 2013-14 school year, she was recognized by Baltimore City when 100% of her students passed the Maryland State Assessment, earning some of the highest scores in the entire city. Kudos to you. In 2017, she moved to Harlem and worked for a year at Jeffrey Canada's Harlem Children's Zone before accepting a job as an instructional coach at another school in Harlem called Harlem Village Academy. It was there at this progressive charter school that she found that her vision aligned with theirs for education. Harlem Village Academy rejects the no-nonsense discipline model in favor of restorative justice practices. HVA believes that black and brown children deserve a more respectful educational model that includes cognitively demanding tasks, interesting academics, true culturally relevant teaching, 
and logical consequences that students have a voice in developing. During the 2018-2020 school years, she served as the Instruction and Culture Director for Mathematics, and next school year, she will be promoted to the ranks as principal for the 2020-21 school year. Congrats, Kim, and welcome, Miss Kim Clancy. Hey, girl, hey. Hey, Jasmine. How are you? Yes, of course. I'm so excited to have you on. We've been in this education thing together for quite some time. This is year two. You say year what? This is year 10. Oh, my God. Yes, this is year 10. It feels like year one. Hell, we doing this all over again, <laughs> right. starting from scratch. That is true. Well, let's let's jump into this thing. But before we do, I would love for you to share just a funny, a hilarious moment that you've experienced, maybe in the classroom or as someone in administration. And I think we witnessed so many things in our school and mm-hmm. sometimes it's, it's it's just good to reminisce on some of those crazy moments. So do you have one you want to share? Yeah, I actually just recently, I think everything has gone virtual now. So you always are looking at your phone and giving like these hilarious messages. And one I got the other day was from my sister. I have two nieces. One is four and one is two. And she messaged me and she said that they have picked her bras off the floor. And they were putting them over their mouth, mouths like masks, running around saying, better not cough on me, you're going to get the COVID, better not cough on me. It's <laughs> like these children and the things that they're witnessing and the way they're internalizing it. But like, think they're about it. They're innovative. Like, right? I, I walked around for I don't know how long without a mask trying to figure out where I'm going to get a mask from. I got plenty in the drawer. Hell, I might as well grab the bra. Yeah, I thought the same thing. I was like, maybe they're onto something here. <laughs> Look. <laughs> I love it. Well, today we are exploring a topic that is literally top of mind for not just educators, but everybody in the world right now. Uh, COVID-19 and really is impacting schools. For us, it's not just any school, it's urban schools. And I Mm -hmm. placed a, a caveat there because there are some really unique circumstances that uh, we're we're facing, and I hope that we're we're able to dive dive into them today. So, just a wellness check for you: How have you been personally like impacted by COVID nineteen and just taking over your your daily life? Um. Well, as an educator, I feel like our whole life was kind of turned upside down um, because we were having to do something brand new that had never been done before. So, uh, especially as a school leader, the impact was pretty immense in terms of having to create something. But I have been in a place of just like gratitude because while we were doing that, it's something that kept our minds very busy. But I felt like I had something purposeful to focus on, which prevented this potential fixation on the growing problem that was happening in New York. So it gave us like a very purposeful thing to do that um, was very necessary. So yeah, the personal impact was pretty great, but at the same time, it seemed like it was kind of our way of doing our part. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think educators are in that battle right now. We're trying to care for ourselves personally and family and friends and folks we know being impacted. But because we're educators, like the work doesn't stop for us. It doesn't really decrease. We're 
having to work double time to be creative and innovative in how we, we uh, touch our students. So since this has started, what are some of the challenges uh, your school has faced since the stay at home order? Um, I would say like the biggest challenge is getting students technology with remote learning. So uh, getting them technology and giving, getting them technology in a safe way. So the day after the school closed, we knew we still had to go back in one more time to get all the books away. We gave away almost every book in our building. We gave away every piece of tech in our building. And then wow. our director of operations actually just did it again last Friday. We did another tech order for technology that had been broken. But still, like, it's a blessing that our biggest challenge was tech because our teachers were very pre prepared and very ready mm. to take this on. So one of the challenges we didn't face was, like, motivating or inspiring anybody to want to create, like, a really robust remote learning curriculum. It was all with just getting kids their materials. Um, and then, of course, not seeing them. <laughs> it's been hard, right. too. But yeah, just giving them what they need to learn. Right. How have you all and you, you touched on this a little bit, but how have you all extended like extra care for students? Because it's not just technology and, and them having books. Mm -hmm. They're not able to be in a space that they were in, you know, maybe from 10, eight to 10 hours a day. So we're talking about food. We're thinking yeah. about the services and resources we provide in our schools, such as, you know, resources to mental health services. Uh, providing them a safe place to go during this time. Some of our students have toxic home environments. So how have you all been thoughtful about those aspects uh, for your students? Yeah, we, um, that was kind of like one of our biggest concerns actually going into remote learning. And we kind of think about that as we create everything from uh, academic assignments to peer assignments is this idea that the kids are going to be home. They're going to really need to socialize, and then we had mm. students who in the building struggled with different social emotional issues. So everyone, teachers, social workers, deans, um, our operations department, we have very thoughtfully laid out who are all the students in our building, who are the students that we mm. already know, know, know have struggles at home, and then we really connected them with our social workers. So they have teletherapy sessions that we do with them. Our social worker has extended herself beyond the students, and she also reaches out to families. So she's talking to the parents that are struggling. Uh, parents with multiple children, she'll work with them to make uh, cohesive schedules. So they're not balancing three different remote learning schedules. Uh, we're in contact with them all the time. They get calls from leaders, from teachers, from our deans, just to kind of make sure that people are socially and emotionally okay. More than that, though, when we think about remote learning, um, we thought about it as an opportunity to support families because it's giving the kids something engaging and exciting to do. So we really hold ourselves accountable for putting academics on the platform that are going to engage students like authentically. It's not just throw anything up there. It's throw things up there that you know they're going to want to learn, that are going to keep bringing them back, and that are going to provide a certain level of distraction and normalcy for the children uh, because that supports them too during this time. Yeah, it's it's amazing how parent engagement has now shut. <laughs> going through the roofs at this point when, you know, sometimes it's a, it's a struggle for us to, to have that high parent engagement or family engagement. And I think it's a blessing in disguise for us to be able to build even stronger relationships with our families that we're seeing right now. Yeah. I, I would think, say that's definitely going to benefit. Yeah. I, I think as a school leader, 
um, and educators just in general, many of us are stuck in like, how do we get through this time right now? We, we know our daily routines and traditional model of education has been totally disrupted. And as a leader, I have to really think, what does this mean for us now? But also what what's really the long-term impact of this? So in your opinion, what do you think are like, yes, the short-term impact, but what do you think the long-term impact uh, COVID-19 is going to take in our in our schools? Um, I think that's a really big, important question that probably enough people aren't thinking about. I think right now we have a lot of different crises happening, and one of them is obviously the pandemic. But right behind the pandemic, I think it's going to be an educational crisis mm. because you're going to have students who have missed almost a third of their school year, mm. uh, particularly in urban schools where we know uh, the data tells us kids tend to be um, sometimes reading below grade level, which means school is critical for them. Uh, also, considering a lot of kids in urban schools, their parents and their families were also victims of the achievement gap. So we have all these kids that are going home, and they don't necessarily have uh, college-educated parents that can put their full-time job to the side and tutor their kids on this math and the science when it's third and fourth grade, it becomes pretty intricate. Um, so I think that the long-term impact, unfortunately, this is just going to be potentially, depending on what teachers decide to do during this time, a generation of students that are just further academically behind than they potentially already could, uh, could have been. And it's just something of realizing, yes, the pandemic is something that we have to be worried about first, but the long-term implications of this on education are kind of scary to think about because the reality is you can't get time back. So if yeah. you're going to lose three to four months of their education, they're, they're going to lose three to four months of their education. But hopefully that should be giving educators a sense of urgency, but that's definitely the second, I think, crisis that we're going to have to deal with as a country. Yeah, it's scary to think about because... I think as leaders of our schools, we're trying to figure out the balance of we need to hold high expectations for what students can right. do during this time. This isn't a time to kind of slack off, but we also want to be sensitive to this idea that we have educators who are at home with their students. They're trying to figure out the whole idea of being an educator, but also having to educate their students. So that's something different uncharted territory that they're trying to figure out. And I, I I pray that we're still being as creative and innovative as we would have been in our classrooms. Yeah. We're doing that same thing during distance learning. So it's, it's, it's tough, but I think once we put it in that kind of narrative to our, our teachers, hopefully that still still fires them up uh, to, to be able to put high quality instruction in, in front of our school students while being sensitive to the unique needs that we have right now. Uh, I think about this moment and maybe I'm being too optimist, optimistic, but this is a prime opportunity to really redefine education in ways that positively impact our school upon our return. Eventually, we're gonna go back to our buildings right? Like, what are some ways you think educators can capitalize on this time to improve their, their practice so that once we do enter into our buildings, like, we're, we're ready to go and maybe even better than before we left? Yeah, 
Um, I've seen in the last few weeks a lot of incredibly positive things from educators. I feel like to your point of this balance of high expectations and also being respectful of people's personal lives, I think it is definitely a choice we have to make as teachers and as leaders to just kind of show up for students. Similarly to how people in the hospitals have families, but they're still going. It's kind of like we have families, we have people in our home, but like this is this is our contribution. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing that I've noticed the most is one, teachers work a lot of hours and that causes a lot of mental and emotional stress as we come in and we deal with the students too. So this has kind of slowed us down and given us a more regular work day. And from that, from people being like rested and having a better work-life balance, I'm seeing like a deeper level of data analysis of like children's performance, which then is helping mm-hmm. them do a greater level of differentiation and intervention. We also have time now for like project-based learning. Kids are getting different projects, they're getting interesting topics. We're assigning them documentaries to watch. And I think the biggest benefit is because there's no state test, we as educators kind of have time to prove this thing we've been saying all the time, that this thing distracts us from the real like differentiation and uh, intervention we want to be doing, but now it's gone. So now that it's gone, yeah. like our goal very ambitiously is to have as many students return to us on and above grade level because we have this time to pull them in small groups all day long. And you can yeah. do that around your family and your life schedule. Um, and I think that those are there's a skill set they're acquiring that they're absolutely going to be able to take back into their classroom of just being able to closely analyze their students and their performance and just put a plan in place and having time to do that. Yeah, you mentioned something real important, those good old state tests that like loom over us all year long. And I think about the long term like impact. Are we going to take some time and really think about are these state assessments necessary in order to evaluate right the effectiveness of our education? We're talking and for me, it's the on the high school level students not being able to take the SAT or the ACT, you know, on their, their campus. What does this look like for college admissions? What does this look like, you know, for accreditation for charter schools? Is this something that still has to hold so much weight and for us to prove that we're actually doing good work in our schools? And that conversation I know is going to come up in a couple months for what the state assessments look like. And it's going to be really interesting to see how that develops. Yeah, I agree. I'm wondering what they're even thinking for the 2021 school year. If they're going to give schools like a year to like rebuild, yep. time, kind of get the kids back into the school mode yet, or is it just going to be business as usual next year? Yeah. I'm interested to see what that's going to look like too. Yeah, yeah. How can we, in this time, really lean on each other while extending grace for ourselves and our families. We educators are always putting on these capes. We always want to be the superheroes. And I think it's important that we take some time and lean on each other. And we, we think about the unique circumstances of our families. How can we be just really intentional about that? Because this is just something we've never dealt with before. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing I've been telling parents and and teachers is just like accepting that like whatever you have to give is going to be enough mm. and not being overly harsh on yourself about like was it good enough was it the most not a time to compare 
Um, but like when parents are stressed out, like, oh, it was so much work. We, try, we were working on it for two hours. I was like, that was enough. Yeah, That was good enough. The same thing for teachers. And then also just, um, I think really just sharing with each other. There's, in teaching, there's a thing that they say, in teaching, you can steal. There's no need to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. Like, if a school is doing something well, and I feel like there's a lot between charters and public schools, sharing those resources, sharing those platforms, sharing those ideas they're having for assessing kids, for conferring over the phone, um, opening up websites, because everyone wants the same thing. So making sure that what something that prevents all kids from learning isn't a certain school or a certain district or a certain teacher and not having access to the same materials. Um, and then for our families, I think it's also staying connected, being mindful of people you haven't heard from in a long time and making yep. sure to reach out, encouraging strongly your friends and your parents to like pick up hobbies and do different things. Mm. Um, and just being mindful of people's emotional state. Yeah, I... I wonder, I wonder too, and this idea was brought up in my head. I was having a conversation with someone around, are we at the point now where there's a possibility of leveling the playing field for schools that maybe had resources, money, and things like that to do and to go above and beyond maybe in, in our situation, maybe in Beverly Hills, as opposed to what we were exposed to in, in South LA. Are we, are we at a place where we're widening the achievement gap or is it, are we leveling right now because everybody's at home, right? Like everybody is just having to get instruction through a computer. I think, I think that there's an opportunity there to, for the point to be more level. But what I thought about, I think about a lot is the number of kids we sent home that were already far below grade level or that were already promotion mm -hmm. in doubt. And even just like when you think about when the achievement gap starts, people ask me a lot, like, how could, how could you see the achievement gap in kindergarten? But you do because students of parents that are career or college educated have already heard 10,000 times as many words, mm -hmm. which is the foundation for reading. So I think even... Yeah. With learning on the computer, you know, there's still other ways this achievement gap just kind of creeps in, mm. determining like the quality of books in your home, the number of books you have in your home. Some kids are going home with like full libraries, and some of our students, we have to like ensure they took home just 12 books. So I think that there's a space now to kind of make things a little bit more leveled, I would say. But then I think just the different resources and the different makeups of the homes kids are going, uh, going home to, you kind of even see it on the Zoom calls, just the different environments, the different situations, mm. the level of distractions they're having to kind of fit, comb their way through. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If you had to to close this up and, and really encourage or give maybe a piece of advice to an educator who's who's struggling during this time, mm -hmm. uh, what, what would you what would you say to them? I had to give a piece of advice to someone that was struggling. I probably would just affirm for them that the work that they're doing is significant and it's important. And kind of like in the history of this whole pandemic, it will be noted. It will be noted and significant. Mm. And also, like what again, whatever you're doing, like you're doing enough. It's like just showing up for students during this time. You're doing more than enough. We're playing your part, and kind of just reminding them that. For a lot of our students, like we are the person that they become the closest to during the year. 
feel the same way parents are showing up for their children. It's just the same way that we should try and show up for them. And it's something that they'll always remember. Yep. For the rest of their lives, they'll remember these teachers that showed up for them during this time. Yep. I, I thought about that. We're going to look back mm-hmm. on this time 20, 30 years from now, talking to our kids or who, yeah. grandkids about the time the pandemic swept the the the, the world mm-hmm. and the part that we had, the part that we played in ensuring that there was some wellness. We were spreading some joy. We were We were doing something significant to still positively impact someone's life. And I think that's something that inspires me. That's something that I I think that will will fuel me to do even greater work once I I return to to my school building. So uh, I thank you for this this conversation around how the pandemic is is impacting our urban schools. Um, I'm going to segue us into something called cold call letter from an educator. And I think that uh, in just a perfect sequence, this, the question uh, is gonna, is is one I think that a lot of educators are battling with. And I think that you'll have an awesome perspective on it. All right. Hi, I work for a fairly decent sized school district that is run by a union. We have started distance learning, but for me and many others, not soon enough. Our union leaders spent weeks debating about the best model for distance learning. In my eyes, it was really a selfish conversation. Many of the debates were around accommodations for adults. While I appreciate my union and having a voice in the working conditions for staff, I feel that we lost time with students. And now that we finally started, some of my colleagues are still complaining. I want to be fair in this, considering this is something we've never faced before as a country, but I would think educators would be more understanding of the circumstance. I also understand that educators always have to be flexible and never consider themselves first. I am just trying to take a fair position on this. What are your thoughts? Ooh. Let's see. Do you know what district? This letter came from. So no. you know how long it took to start remote learning? No, fairly decent size. Uh, um, let's see. They said they it was it's been weeks, so I'm assuming they maybe recently started. Yeah. Uh, I think the situations are tricky, right? My first thing I'm wondering is when we started our distance learning, we sent our kids home for two weeks worth of packets just in case because we weren't sure. So my first thought is honestly just like to assume the best like we're in a pandemic that's unprecedented so we can and we should be disappointed and hold our uh, officials accountable but i think more than that we should assume that everybody's working towards the same goal here Mm -hmm. and then get remote learning off the ground for students and we can even assume if that and we're being really specific with the platform because we saw what's happening with zoom right now right like we have to make sure that things are safe have to figure out how to get tech to everyone and when you're with the middle-sized school district it's not as simple as some of these charter schools or charter networks where it's like i just gotta worry about 100 kids i just yeah. worry about 50 kids when it's like 500 to 3,000 children decisions are just going to take a lot longer um so just in spirit of like moving forward and being active about what kind of groups and just assume the best and assume that everybody wanted to get remote learning off the ground quickly 
put your energy more towards now that it's here. Yeah. How do I make up for that time? How do I make it meaningful? How do I be urgent and close with any gaps that were created in these last two weeks? Yeah. Yeah. I would I would agree with, with that point. Something that I heard was that folks feel as though we were still being inequitable to to, to students because we always take so much time to try to figure it out for for students. And while I, I, I understand that point, I'm one that likes to take time and have a strategic plan before a month down the line, we're in a clusterfuck trying to figure out we should have taken the time to to figure this out or figure that out. And now we have to backtrack four weeks of of learning because we didn't take the time to have a, a strong plan. So I, I appreciate, you know, union leaders trying to figure that out. I think the the frustration comes from this this person is like, you know, how do we accommodate for adults? How do we make things work for adults? And as a as a school leader, you have to consider that. Because mm-hmm. if you have disgruntled educators trying to make lessons for, for students because they're stressed out, because they don't know what they're doing, we're still not doing any good for, for kids. So I I think, again, we have to extend some grace and understand that whatever we're doing is, is hopefully going to be good for kids, but we have to care for the adults in the situation too. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Well, Kim, thank you so much for joining us today. I I really appreciate your time and your insight. And I'm sending you love and light all the way to New York. As I know y'all are are experiencing some, experiencing the worst probably in in the country. So I'm, I'm sending you all just peace and encouragement that way. And for... Listeners, if you all have a thought or a pen or a suggestion or anything that we talked about today, please send it to info at thesummerschoolpodcast.com. Follow us on IG at the Summer School Podcast. And we look forward to connecting soon. Thank y'all for joining us on the Summer School Podcast. If something stood out to you in our conversation today, if there's a topic you would like for us to explore or hell, even if you are woke, witty or petty educator and want to be featured, drop us a line at info at thesummerschoolpodcast.com.
Thank y'all for joining us on the Summer School Podcast. If something stood out to you in our conversation today, if there's a topic you would like for us to explore, or hell, even if you are a woke, witty, or petty educator and want to be featured, drop us a line at info at the summerschoolpodcast.com.